1: I'm Alan Montecilio, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. California is the first state in the nation to formally look into reparations for Black Americans. And that process is unfolding right now. If and when we're ready, we must reimagine what it means to be free. We must reimagine what it means to actually have reparations, to actualize that, and not to just sit there pontificate. Showing your support is easy and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Lakshmi, I just want to sort of start with a very basic question here. What is the California Reparations Task Force and why do we have it?
0: So the California... Reparations Task Force was established by a bill uh, last fall.
1: Lakshmi Sarah is a digital producer and reporter for KQED. AB
0: 3121 establishes the task force to take on the task of determining what reparations should be in the state of California for Black Americans with a special consideration for descendants of slaves. So this first in the nation um, on the state level, obviously other people have done local level things, um, but this is the first in the nation on the state level.
1: This seems like a big deal and pretty important. Who are some of the people on this task force?
0: So it's, the, it's a nine-member task force. Eight out of nine of them are Black Californians um, who have a history of advocacy and knowledge on the various topics. We've got Um, The chair, Camila Moore, who's a lawyer. The vice chair, Reverend Amos Brown, who's a pastor based in San Francisco. Some assembly members, um, Stephen Bradford and Reggie Jones-Sawyer. And then like lawyer, psychologist or, or professor types.
1: And so where are they in their process right now?
0: So it's it's a long process. They had the first sort of meeting in June and then a meeting in July, but September marked the first substantive meeting where they actually had people providing testimony, expert testimony, and then personal testimony. They will be submitting a report to the um, California State Legislature by next year, so by next summer, I believe in June, July. Members of the task force and members of the public Welcome to the fourth meeting of the Historic California Reparations Task Force. As a reminder, Take
1: me to, to, I guess, the scene of where you, where you were this week. What has been happening with this reparations task force these past few days?
0: So, for better or worse, it's happening online. Vice Chair Brown, did you want to say something? You're on mute. The first hour of the meeting has been public comment. So people will call in. Anyone can call in or anyone can log in and give their opinion or testimony, provide ex- their experience. Once it is your turn to comment, you will be unmuted and you will begin your three minute presentation. I, w- I would say a lot, most of the public comment do seem to be like very, very sincere and you know, wanting to participate in this process and give their take and perspective. Our first demand for reparations is simple. We posit that the United States of America owes all Black American Africans the order of providing all expenses related to our ancestral searches that will determine exactly where our ancestors were stolen, kidnapped, and otherwise unlawfully removed from. And I'm going to... Um, uh point out, Evanston, Illinois, they decided that reparations was going to be real estate payment. It's not something that's going to uh, take care of all of this, you know, all of this country ills, but it is something that is due and owed to the Americans and is a slave.
1: We don't want no either or. It needs to be yes <coughs> and. Please be yes and. And it needs to be 800 credit score resets, direct cash payments with lump sum options, uh, and perpetual dividends from the green rush. Uh, and I want my 40 acres and a Tesla. And thank you guys again. Uh, much love.
0: It's a wide variety of feelings and emotion because you go through somewhat boring aspects of like, OK, we're going to really call the roll again. You have to say like we're going to vote on like whether or not we're going to move to the next item. And then we have like testimony from somebody whose ancestors were enslaved and they're having to take a moment to just like have their feelings and and emotions and then we have questions from from the task force members who are also feeling like really emotional but it's also going through so much history so quickly and then all of a sudden we move on to the next topic so it's sort of it's 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 kind of wild so each meeting has has a specific focus on Tuesday that we were talking, the task force is focusing on housing and education segregation in the morning and then environmental racism. So no big deal.
1: I actually want to stop on on housing segregation for a minute because I know when I think about the Bay Area and its history with Black residents, housing segregation and displacement through housing policy is such a big part of that. What was said about that topic? We found that The Bay Area was significantly more segregated in 2020 than it was in 1970.
0: Stephen Menendian is a professor at UC Berkeley, and he does research with the Othering and Belonging Institute, and he focused on segregation in housing and the history of segregation in housing.
1: As you increase the percentage of single-family zoning, you go heavily white in the Bay Area, and the percentage black goes to 1%, and Latino collapses. So there's a strong correlation between racial residential segregation and zoning. And then, you know, I also know that environmental racism was on the agenda as well, relevant everywhere but again very relevant to the Bay Area. What was said about that?
0: Our next expert witness will be C&E Corbin. So, Professor Corbin who's at Portland State and is an expert on Oakland talks specifically about Oakland The research I'm presenting today is sort of a love letter to Black Oaklanders who wrestled with internalized racism when institutionalized and structural racism was so pervasive it was in the air they breathed and the ground that they walked on. From 1937 to 2020, African Americans particularly have been habitually excluded from and dispossessed of property ownership, quality housing, and green space amenities while having their housing, neighborhoods, and lives compromised by environmental harms and repeatedly sacrifice benefiting the municipality and its white residents.
1: What is the goal of having a meeting like this where experts come and talk about what they know, often for it seems like 10 minutes, if that, uh, in front of this task force and the public? What is the goal of doing that?
0: The goal is to both get public comment and to make sure the public is aware of what's happening, but also to ensure that everything is part of this public record and then also shape how we think about reparations and how reparations are actually enacted.
1: It seems like there's a lot of history and policy, but I want to ask just about some of the personal stories that people shared. What does reparations mean to some of the people who testified at these meetings? Um, I'm a young Black man who... Not only the son of a home care union worker, but also the mentee of supervisor Holly J. Mitchell.
0: Kavika Smith is a student um, from Los Angeles who is currently at Morehouse College, and he was part of a lawsuit against the UC system in saying that um, the use of ACT and SAT standardized tests um, were basically racist.
1: And I was in my junior year when I decided to finally activate my faith and set out to systematically and systemically changed the system because I was, as in the words of my Shiro, Fannie Lou Hamer, sick and tired of being sick and tired.
0: He was at the meeting and he talked about what reparations means to him.
1: For me personally, reparation looks like universal pre-K for all Blacks, Black students. Because education has been stripped from Black folks for so long, we must ensure that Black folks have access early on. For me, at this point, I believe that we must uproot a, uproot this current system and do away with it. It has proven to be archaic. It has proven to be anti-Black. It has proven to be capitalist. It has shown its head through and through. Just kind of on a big picture level, you know, the the idea of reparations is also just rooted in, in generations of pain and trauma and oppression that has been inflicted upon, upon Black people in America, in, in this case in California. It's a very emotional topic. It's very important to a lot of people. But it's also right now being taken up in this very formal, administrative, sometimes boring process, it seems. What has it been like to witness this?
0: I think it's almost like you, it's hard to like keep up because you're like, simultaneously watching, um, someone talk about like, you know, the history of segregation or the history of racism in like 10 minutes. And then, then before even processing what they've said, you're like moving on to the next topic. But then within the whole context, you're like, but how do you philosophically, theoretically, and then practically, how do you actually make this into something that is actually meaningful? Each person's testimony has been fascinating, has been really moving, has been interesting. Each part of it is is so interesting to me that I think it's really important that more people understand and pay attention. I'm kind of like, why isn't everyone talking about this all the time? But then I'm like, am I crazy or not? <laughs> We are observing history in the making as it is happening. And so, like, if if we were to, like, cover it as, like, oh, here's the final, like, report or whatever, that's kind of, like, that's good. We should do that also. But, like, this is watching history. It's it's amazing.
1: Lakshmi, thanks so much. Thank you. The next meeting of California's Reparations Task Force is December 8th. And remember, these meetings are public. So if you want to watch them or view previous meetings, or maybe even sign up for public comment, we'll leave a link to all that in our show notes. This episode was cut and produced by Erica Cruz-Guevara. I added the music. Kate Wolf added the audio and provided additional production support. The Bay is made by KQED Public Media. Our podcast leadership team includes Jessica Placek, Kiana Mogadam, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan tovin lindsay and Holly Kernan. I'm Alan Montecilio. That's it for us. Have a good weekend.
0: There's a um, trash truck outside my window. Can you hear it?
1: Yes, let's pause.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's really loud. I'm like...